0: back to the Ottawa studios of Inside My Canoe Head. I am Dr. D, a.k.a. Jeff, your host here at Inside My Canoe Head. This week, very simple. We want to talk about the three steps to preparedness. An actionable, doable, follow-this-guide kind of episode. I got asked for it. Here it is. Very simple. Follow along. Grab a piece of paper. Grab your favorite beverage. We're about to get you on the right track. So yeah, we uh, we launched the soft launch unannounced of, of our uh, social media hits, and that's going to carry on. We're planning on putting out somewhere between four to six uh, short little reel-type videos every day on different ideas. Uh, and I struck some nerves on the first one, which is really good to see. Sometimes when you're talking about preparedness, you have to say bold things. You have to say the uncomfortable truth out loud, and some people, they just don't like it. Well, welcome to the internet, right? Not everybody's going to like what you have to say. And part of maintaining mental health, and we'll get to some of that today, is you just like their comment and you carry on with life. So today we want to talk about the three steps to preparedness, right? Everybody's looking for this guide, the how-to guide, right? And so what what am I supposed to do, et cetera? So the first thing that I'll pose to you is why, why now? Why right now are you stopping and you're thinking about preparedness? Like, what is it that keyed off? Um, you know, did did your friend get fired? Did your relative lose their job? Uh, you're just generally not happy and you're looking for a you know a change in life. Um, you don't like disruptions. You, you don't like the fact that the world is not very predictable, right? You're an individual who likes a predictable schedule type of life, and the world's karma, call it what you will, seems to be throwing a lot of curveballs at that lately. Or it could be a hatred of uncertainty. Uh, a lot of people thrive in uncertainty, but I would say a plurality or more don't thrive in uncertainty. They like to have life, as I said before, predictable, Um but anyhow, whatever the reason is, there's a personal reflection, a reason you're looking in the mirror, pausing, stopping at this point in your life, wherever that may be, and saying, you know what, There, I, I need to start thinking a bit about preparedness, or I just, I just don't want to feel this uncomfortable, right? I don't want world events to have this kind of effect on me. I don't want local political events to have this kind of effect on me. Um, I just don't understand what's going on around me. I can't influence what's going on around me. And it's generally not a joyful, happy experience, right? Whatever that reason is, and that's independent to you and it's not wrong. But here you are. You've stopped to have a look. So the first step in your three steps to preparedness is assess, right? This is first and foremost going to be you sitting down in front of a mirror and looking at that incredible person reflected back at you And being honest, if you can't be honest with yourself in the mirror and you can't tell the truth, the quiet part out loud, the part you don't talk about at parties, uh, if you can't admit to that, you're going to have a lot of trouble. The first thing that you have to do in your steps to preparedness is accept responsibility for your outcomes, right? We've, We've heard Mel Robbins and everybody else say no one is coming to help. It's a great hashtag that's used. I use it in social media. Nobody's coming to rescue you. If you don't like uncertainty, disruptions in your life, you don't like feeling uncomfortable, it is you and you only that's going to solve that, right? Nobody's coming to rescue you. It's not somebody else's responsibility to take care of you when you can't take care of yourself. It's your job. So you got to accept responsibility. So the most important question we ask in individual emergency preparedness is who is responsible for your outcomes? And if the answer is you, you can move forward. If the answer right now is not you, if you think it's family, if you think it's a, if you think it's the government's job, you know, to pay your bills when you're having troubles or anything like that, then I wish you the best of luck. You can't start a preparedness journey unless you're willing to accept responsibility for your outcomes. But what you also have to be is compassionate with yourself. And people are not very good at this. When things go wrong in life, People want a fault. They want to find somebody responsible. I have to take blame and place it somewhere. You know, you know, you failed to fix something and it broke and it caused damage. So it's your fault. We hear it all the time in conversations we have at work with our spouses, our families, colleagues, friends, whatever. Somebody is always looking to assign blame and park it somewhere. What I want you to do is where you are in life right now, it's nobody's fault, man. It is what it is. You got to pull your inner your, your your inner dude out there and just say, dude or do that. And it is what it is. Here I am. And don't assign blame. Don't look at your mirror. Like if you're sitting on eighty thousand dollars of unsecured credit card debt, don't look at yourself and blame yourself and call yourself an idiot. Oh, here you are. Right. The fact that you've stopped and looked at yourself in the mirror and said, here I am. It is what it is. Huge step. You don't assign blame. It does not matter. But then you got to have that honest reflection in the mirror, right? You've got to be able to look at yourself, and we're talking about three principal areas of your life right now your health, your physical health, your mental health, your financial health. Have an honest reflection as to where you are. And whether you write it down on a, a whiteboard, you say it out loud. Just don't say, oh, I'm in debt. Saying you're in debt is irrelevant, right? It's just a painful thing you're throwing upon yourself. Saying I have $82,471 in unsecured credit card debt, $42,341 in secured car loans or whatever it may be, that's the assessment you're looking for. Write down your life, right? I am 42 pounds overweight, what the estimated reasonable level should be for my height and age, Um I can do seven push-ups on a good day. I Whatever it may be, whatever it is, you need to be honest with yourself. The final part of that assessment is your preparedness, skills, and readiness. Think about just for a second, if the power was to go off in your house and not come back on for three weeks, how ready are you right now to deal with that kind of scenario, Right? If you, get, if you walk into your work tomorrow morning, on a Friday, ready to go, take on the world, you love where you work, the people are great, and you're met in the downstairs lobby of the office tower by HR and security, you're taken into a side room, and in that side room is a banker's box with all your personal possessions from your office desk, and you are given your severance package. Happens to people all the time, it never makes the news. You got fired, right? Are you ready for that? Are you ready to get fired tomorrow? Because every one of us leave our jobs, some being carried out dead, some leave voluntarily and some leave involuntarily. but you will leave your job at one point or another. That is an absolute certainty. So that's your first step. It's a big ass honest assessment. Look at yourself in the mirror, say what you got to say, be honest to where you are. And if you don't want to keep a record of it, (laughs) I use a whiteboard. I love a whiteboard. I I brainstorm on whiteboards all the time. And I do that because I need to see it to believe it. Um, When I made my first financial plan in 2012 to change my life focus and orientation that was a really really hard conversation with myself and when I wrote it out on paper that was really really difficult you have to do the hard assessment I live a high stress high anxiety life I overeat to compensate for food when I'm bored or stressed I eat uh I binge watch TV because I'm afraid to deal with the real problems in my life. All of these things that may be a reality in your existence, you got to be brutally honest with yourself. You can't adopt a prepared life and turn this around unless you're honest. Now, the second step, you've done the uncomfortable part. Now you got to do the planning part. The second part is all about the plan. And the first part is visionary. And we, 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 you, know, you, can, you can download a whole bunch of podcasts on vision, mission, strategy, development. There's a lot of great short quips on YouTube that are out there about how to do this. The idea being is, is that you need to have a vision, which in the Army we used to call an end state. What does the world look like when I am done? When I have achieved my goals for physical fitness. So what are those goals? And be specific, right? What, you know, something made you stop. What was it? Was it the uncomfortable? Was it your physical fitness? Was it your deep financial debt? Something made you stop and say, this, this is unsustainable. I can't keep doing it. So what is it that you need to change? Like some people may be fine. Their physical health or mental health are fine. They're just in disastrous financial shape, or they may be in great financial shape, but they're, they're, they're obese. And they live a high-stress life because of the job they do, but the job rewards them with a uh, fantastic financial world. Whatever it may be, you have to sit down and plan out where you would like to be. So how do you do that? Well, it's not that complicated. I mean, here are a couple of very, very simple ideas. First, in preparedness, the first question you ask yourself is, for whom am I responsible? and that may, it may just be you. It may be a family of four. Uh, It may be a multi-generational family. It's probably multi-location, which means you may be the individual people look to in your, in your family. You may have an elderly member of your family who lives alone or in some type of assisted living facility. So not just think about the individuals that live in your house. Think about if a big bad day or a disruption, significant disruption was to occur, for whom are you responsible? Who is going to look to you for food, water, shelter, guidance, help, assistance, etc.? cetera. The second part is, uh, you know, it's a general question I asked in my master's thesis and I think it best translates to how long do you want to be able to shelter in place? So for whatever reason, and this is, this is the, uh, our take My very specific line on disaster preparedness or emergency preparedness is we don't really care why you need to shelter in place. You can break up 17,500 different scenarios of what could go wrong. Think of it from a simple perspective of how long do I want to be able to shelter in place? Now, you can't say as long as necessary because that doesn't give you a target. So, some people the current no uh the current idea out there that the government talks about is 72 hours. Most governments are moving to 7 days or 14 days. I like to talk 14 days because 14 days is what I choose as a start point for clients and people that I work with simply because that is the outside frame of the time it will take society to restart all the necessary critical infrastructure to get food flowing to get water flowing to get the power back on to get systems up and running again from a significant disruption right the state capacity is going to be hard at work their number one job they say is saving lives in reality the number one job to save lives of a your government is to get the critical infrastructure up and running the power the utilities transportation systems, water sewer, uh, government systems, um, food supply, banking, financial, all that needs to be back up and running. And the reason we say 14 days is in a modern developed world. Now, this depends where you live in the world. And I'll be honest with you. It depends where you exist in the efficacy and the capacity of your government. But in most developed worlds, within 14 days, the necessary uh, critical infrastructure, the basics at least, will be up and restarted again. So we think about 14 days. If you can't come up with, I want to be sheltered in place for three and a half weeks or one month, whatever it may be, take 14 days as a start point. The next question you have to consider is, if I could no longer shelter in place in my house uh, and I had to evacuate, where would I go? Now, we can, again, find a whole bunch of reasons and scenarios why you're why you have to evacuate the house. Look at it from the perspective of what if my house is no longer available for use? Okay. Where am I and the family that I'm responsible for going to go? The reason that that matters is that when it's time to evacuate either sudden or in advance, if you have a destination in mind, if you have two possible routes chosen and two possible transportation methods, then you are a step ahead of everybody else, pardon the pun, in that you will have a predetermined location to go to. Because a lot of people are financially strapped right now in the world. And if your evacuation plan is to go to the next town over and rent a hotel, well, number one, you're in direct competition with everybody else. So your fat fingers better be pretty damn quick online to book that room. Number two, the demand, supply and demand of economics means very quickly after the incident, those rooms are going to double and triple in price, whether you like it or not. That's economics. Um, and then you got to have the financial wherewithal to pay for that. So instead of inflicting more financial harm on yourself, if you had a relative, family, or friend that lived, you know, I, I would say, you know, 100 miles, 150 kilometers away, that's likely out of whatever zone the significant disruption happened, and you had a predetermined place to go. Then it's not going to cost you anything. You just got to get there, which means don't ever let your tank go below half. But the point being is simply having a place to evacuate to and not relying on a government center. Um, Government centers provide you a place, a cot. They don't provide you privacy. They don't provide you calm and peace. That is found in a friend or a family member's basement, couch, etc. And I've said this on the podcast before. My situation is very simple. I have a friend that lives 150 kilometers away. We have a reciprocal agreement on I can go to their place. They can come to my place. I've talked about this at length. And I have two ways to get there. So the the point being is, is that if I have to leave my house for whatever reason, I have a place to go. So now you have those basics. Uh, You know who you're responsible for. You know how long you want to shelter in place for in a realistic number. Say, let's take the 14 days. You know where you would evacuate to if you have to. So now you have to plan. You've taken assessment and you've said, my physical health is this. My financial health is this. My mental health is this. and and so now you've got an end state. You've written down what I would like to be able to do. And I'll give, and I'll use me as an example so you can understand the type of exactness that I want to be. Uh, i i'm I'm on a journey. I'm eating a carnivore diet. I'm exercising every day in the gym first thing in the morning up at zero dark 30. I mean, it was five 30 when I get up this morning at the gym by six after my morning coffee, do my exercise back home by seven sitting here at my desk, ready to take on the day by eight o'clock. Okay. Because I have a very specific task. When I started this journey, I weighed 232 pounds. My target is 180 pounds. I have a very specific target to go to, and I have a very specific physical output. I want to be able to do 50 push-ups nonstop and 10 pull-ups nonstop, okay? Full stop. Like I have a very specific exacting standard, right? I went online. I found there's a whole bunch of free... You can find serious good people on the internet if you want to. The free plans, how to get there and I'm executing the task. This, my friends, is a seven, eight or nine month journey, right? I'm not going to drop 52 pounds in a month. It's, it didn't take me a month to put this fat on me arse. It's going to take a lot longer to get it off. So I have to be patient with myself, right? But I have a very specific goal and I have a very specific plan. And now I have to have the most important part, which is patience. And there are going to be days where I fail on my diet. I'm going to have the pizza at the party. I'm going to go to a friend's house and they're going to serve a bunch of food that's not part of the carnivore diet. And I'm going to scoff it down and I'm going to say thank you very much. Because that's what my mommy told me to do. Um, You just carry on with life and you do your best. And when failures happen, you fail forward, you get up. You look at yourself in your mirror going, well, that wasn't a great idea, but whatever, it is what it is, back on the train we go. For my mental health, and I got a lot of flack of this online when I talked about toxic people. Uh, One of my posts yesterday, I had put up that you need to fire people out of your life that don't bring happiness and joy, and that includes friends, family. Fire your parents and your brother and sister if they don't bring you happiness and joy. That didn't go over well with a few people. The idea being is simply... I accept responsibility for my mental health. The, my state of anxiety and stress, that's up to me. I let things into my life that cause stress and anxiety. I also have the ability to make those exit my life. Some of those are job opportunities that I know would be really good. I might make some good money on that contract, but taking that contract would just cause way too much anxiety and I'm not interested, so I don't do it. I have a family member or you might have two family members who are nothing but narcissistic and cause pain, discomfort, etc. And you're like, you know what? Yeah, we're blood, we're relatives, but man, you bring so much pain and discomfort and, and lack of joy to my life that, you know, when I kick you out of my life, it's not like we're going to have this big episode where I'm going to fire you and give you your severance papers. I'm just going to stop talking to you. I'm just going to stop answering you. I'm just going to take you off my social media. I'm just going to extricate you from my day-to-day life. And I don't see anything you put online. I don't answer your phone calls. I just I, You're just off you go. Wish you the best of luck. I'm responsible for my mental health, not somebody else. Now, having a mental health issue and getting professional help, I'll, I'll back that up 10 times out of 10. I have lots of friends in the military and retired veterans who have regular access to psychotherapy because it's an important part of who they are. Mental health, in, mental health injuries are no joke. And if somebody suffers from one of these, it is significant and it can be debilitating. But if you have the ability to remove anxiety and stress from your life in the form of people, then do it, right? Like there's a great phrase from somebody at the Grammys once who said, um, famous actor, and I don't remember his name, and I feel bad for this, but he said, Surround yourself by people whose eyes light up when you walk into the room. Those are the type of people that believe in your life. Listen, and, and call it selfish, call it ille- uh, even the slightest bit arrogant. It's a pleasure to be in my life. It's a privilege to be in my circle. And that's the way I view it. And if you don't like that, that's perfectly fine. You're, you're probably not in my circle. But if I call you a friend, it's because you are an important person to me and you bring joy and happiness to my life. That doesn't mean we argue, don't argue. It doesn't mean I don't do a jerk thing and you don't do a jerk thing. But if you regularly brought something other than happiness and joy, you'd find yourself extricated pretty quick. My financial health, my plan in 2012, it looked pretty bleak. Uh, and I set out and I looked at three strategies. I looked at a one-year strategy, pain, discomfort, eat ramen noodles. That was dismissed really quickly. I looked at a five-year strategy that again would put some pretty significant stress on my lifestyle. I went with a 12-year strategy and almost every financial planner in the world would tell you planning 12 years to reorganize financial life is not a good idea, but I did anyhow, right? Now it's extended to 14 because a couple of things occurred in my life. That required me uh, to spend tens of thousands of dollars I didn't count on. Um, That happens. So now my plan is 14 years. My financial plan will come to fruition in 2026. And I started it in 2012. Right? Again, I've said patience. This is not adopting a prepared life is not something you're going to do today. It's not something you're going to transform today. Preparedness is a journey. You're on a journey taking responsibility for your outcomes. Some some of the changes are going to be rapid and quick and some of the changes are going to be extended and long, but you're on that journey. And trust me, the positive effects in your mental health when you put yourself on that journey, when you start to make the journey towards the end state, and I have milestones, like my 14-year old economic journey to the type of income and debt that I want and, and and net worth, whatever you want to call it, it has milestones. So across each one of these, there are a bunch of milestones. My physical fitness has a milestone. I want to cross my first weight loss milestone is not 180 pounds. That's the end state. My first weight loss marathon is to get under 100 kilograms, right? To get under 222 pounds or 220 pounds, I'm right there, I'm 221 last weekend, so I'm ready to celebrate getting under 100 kilograms, right, I have celebratory milestones where I will high-five myself in the mirror and treat myself to a steak, a really good steak as part of the carnivore diet, but you build milestones into your journey, whether it's your mental health journey, whether it's your physical journey, your financial journey, whether it's your journey to get to 14 days in your animalistic requirements of food, water, shelter, health, security, and safety, right? If you're on a journey and you've decided that it's important to become physically fit and in your animalistic requirements, you've decided that I want to be able to physically defend myself in a fight and you sign up a martial arts, you're not a black belt overnight. You know, I've taken Taekwondo from a a couple of, principally one fabulous instructor and I've made it to blue belt. And then I stopped Um, and I need to restart that kind of thing. But the point of all of this is, is that if you're on a journey to become skilled in using your hands to defend yourself in that very unfortunate and very unlikely situation where you face with imminent personal physical harm, you're not going to take one class in Krav Maga and be able to fight off four attackers, right? That's not, that's not going to happen. That's, that's going to be years. But in a couple of years, you'll be confident that you can take on four attackers in a subway station in downtown Toronto, right? That's a journey. You have milestones along the way. So that's your plan. You're going to set that plan. You're going to have your milestones. You're going to have a clear end state. And what those milestones do is allow you to eat the elephant one chunk at a time, right? That's the old joke. How do you eat an elephant? Well, you eat it at one bite at a time. How do you achieve an end state goal in physical fitness preparedness or anything along that lines is you eat it one step at a time. And the last thing is execute. Obviously, plans are great that, you know, the graveyard they say is full of the greatest ideas of humanity are buried in the graveyard because nobody published them and executed them. So here's what I do. I write down my task that I'm doing for physical, mental, and financial health, right? Absolutely certainty. I have a task that I'm doing for my physical health. I'm going to the gym every single day and I'm eating carnivore. My mental health. I am liking comments and not responding to comments online and social media. And I have done an assessment of all of the toxic people in my life. And I have jettisoned every one of them. And yes, some of them are blood relatives and they're simply gone. I just don't deal with them anymore. And on my financial health, like I said, I've been at this since 2012. I had to reassess uh, last year because I had about, you know, Tens of thousands of extra dollars in expenses I was not intending. That pushed the end deadline out a couple of years. Fine, fair enough. Reassessed, rejigged. And I have a written task for my preparedness. If you follow me here at Inside Mike and, you have, and you've listened to some other ones, I've told you the 14 days is the right start point, Right. I moved to 30 days. I moved to 60 days. I've now moved and this week I finished the final step in my plan to get my animalistic requirements for 90 days. That means I know who I'm responsible for and I have the internal ability to shelter in place in my house with the people that I'm responsible for, for 90 days without needing any external assistance whatsoever. So no food, no water, no shelter, no security, no health, no safety requirements. I've got those all wrapped up and I'm good for 90 days. So the next thing you have to do is, you have to have a priority and I say this and it's part of the book we're writing as well, is that you must never ever pluralize the word priority. Because if you make a list of priorities, what you have is a whole bunch of activities that you think you need to get done. Priority is singular. Leave the word singular. So I have tasks of all each one of these. I have a task that I'm doing for my mental health. I have a task that I'm doing for my physical health. I have a task that I'm doing for my financial health. And I have a task that I'm doing for my animalistic requirements, the traditional preparedness skills, supplies, that type of thing, right? So I have four tasks that I write down that I'm currently doing. One of those is the priority. And the priority means I keep doing all four, but when time, financial, or other constraints cause an issue with that, then I shift towards the one, which means I cut the other three before I cut my priority. And for me, the priority was getting to 90 days, right? Everything else was a journey. It was on track. It was going well, was to get to 90 days. My priority has been reached, which means I need to book a monthly coffee with myself. And I do this. And in my calendar, uh, on the last business day of the month, which used to get paid in the army, but the last business day of the month, I'm inserting a calendar appointment. So coffee and reassess. And basically what this means is I book an hour off every month in my calendar. And the point of this is I sit down and I do an honest look in the mirror, no poop reflection. Where am I in relation to the goals that I set, the tasks that I set? Uh, Do I need to reassess? Uh, Is something going wrong, etc.? So I write down, there are three steps to preparedness. We're in the execution phase. We're at third step. The last part of it is this reassessment. I write down, what am I doing for my physical health? What am I doing for my mental health? What am I doing for my financial health? And what am I doing for my animalistic requirements? I write those down. I assess them. I look at them. You know, do I need to amend things? Am I on track? Is things progressing well? Do I have to, you know, rejig and relaunch is my priority the same do i need to change my priority so this month and again using myself as an example at the end of february i my priority is going to switch because i've reached my goal in My animalistic requirements. So now that animalistic requirements, my food, water, shelter, health, safety, and security is at the 90 day place. I'm now going to go back in there to second step and plan something new. The next thing that I need to work on in my animalistic requirements for me, that's going to be on iron combat, right? I want to get back into, as I feel better and better about myself at the gym, I need to get back into learning unarmed combat skills. So as of March, and again, you don't rush these things just because I have the time and space now. It's no, no, I keep going on with the plan. So on the 1st of March, I'm going to start investigating where I can start relaunching my work on unarmed combat to be able to increase my ability to defend myself in the very highly unlikely situation that I have to utilize physical violence. Not a proponent for it. I'm a big Jocko Wilnick fan, and he says, you know what? You push me, you shove me, you swing at me, I'm running away. Because I don't want to get into a fight with anybody. I, you know... Sure, I may be able to win. I may not be able to win. I don't know what they know. I don't know their skill set. I I hit some guy because he takes a swing at me. He drops down, his head cracks the pavement, he dies, and I go to jail for manslaughter. It doesn't matter whether I was in the right or not. Somebody's not here anymore. But if I'm cornered or they grab me, pull me to the ground, whatever it may be, I got to know how to fight and I got to get better at it. So The point being of this monthly meeting is just that. It's your reassessment. Am I on track for my weight loss goal? I'm going from 232 to 180. Am I on track for my physical fitness? Well, basically, it's a check in the box. I've got two things I want to do, push-ups and pull-ups. So as I'm going to the gym, whatever, once a month, when I feel good sometime near the end of the month, I just hop on the pull-up bar and do it. And then I do, drop down to push-ups. Where am I in comparison to where I was before? Am I progressing towards my goal? If not, then maybe, you know, if if after two months in the gym, my push-ups aren't changing, maybe I have to look at the, the weight training that I'm doing. Maybe it's not the right set of exercises. Maybe it's not translating. You know what I mean? That type of specific review. And that, my friends, is your three steps to preparedness. And it costs nothing because your physical fitness can be done free body weight exercises outside. Um, Your mental health is just reading a bunch of great stuff that's available online, uh, talking to your family doctor if you need to, or a clinic, a walk-in clinic if you don't have a family doctor. Uh, And financial health, there's lots of great planners out there. I use the 50-30-20 rule, Google it. Uh, It's how I live my life. And there's lots of, there's lots of information out there. All of the information you need to execute this preparedness plan is free and available on the internet. Uh, What does 14 days shelter in place look like? Uh, Well, it's 2000 calories per day, two liters of water per day. It's a first aid kit that reflects the likely injuries and the first aid course necessary. It's your ability to lock and prevent people from inadvertently walking into your house. I, there's a whole bunch of stuff online, and, and we're going to be doing going into far more detail on animalistic requirements in, a, in some coming episodes. The point being is it's all available, and I want to reinforce that fact because preparedness is free, right? It, it's never equated to stockpiles of crap in your house. Having 90 days of food in my house was free because it was just food that I would normally consume, and it was consumed out of my 30% disposable income. And so it was incense free because it fit within my budget and there was no rapid. And how long did it take me to go from 60 to 90 to accumulate 30 days of extra food? Uh, It took four months. It took four months. Why? Because I refuse to go broke to stockpile my basement. Um, so there's no, there's no financial barriers to preparedness, uh, whatsoever. Anybody who tries to tell you that they probably have a website that is selling you something that can ameliorate your, your issues. So just remember that it's a free, it's a journey. The number one is you accepting responsibility for your outcomes. You deciding to do the honest, reflective part of accepting it is what it is. I am where I am, and I'm not going to worry about assigning blame. It's nobody's fault. Here I am where do I want to be? What the hell am I going to do to close that gap between where I am and what I want to be? I'm going to make a plan. It's going to have some clear milestones. I'm going to sit down every month, have a coffee to reassess that plan. And I'm on a journey. And that alone, without spending any money, starting that journey, having that conversation with yourself, accepting responsibility, you are now so further along your preparedness journey than everybody else. It's fantastic. You should pat yourself on the back, high five yourself in the mirror and subscribe to InsideMyCanoeHead.ca, preparednesslabs.ca. Uh, subscribe to this podcast and follow me on social media. This is what we're trying to do here at Inside My Canoehead: is to provide the best possible research, evidence-based tips and tricks to move you along the preparedness spectrum so that as life's, Disruptions continue to occur, things that you cannot control. Your ability to navigate that becomes better and better, and you start to thrive in chaos, not just survive. So take care. Have yourself a great day. Continue your comments coming in. We appreciate everything. Remember, it's all about rocking an incredible life wrapped in a blanket of preparedness and chasing your dreams. (music)